Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Genesis chapter 45. And I'll tell you this evening that I have high expectations for this service tonight. I have high expectations for this service this evening. I thought perhaps today, and uh, I had had lunch with Brother and Sister Mason, and I told him that I really had anticipated kind of doing a sermon tonight that would uh, shoot us toward with a theme for the new year, but kind of felt like I might be coming in here half-cocked, not really having it where it needed to be in order to present that tonight. And so uh, I'm not coming here with uh, a sermon for uh, presenting a theme for the new year, but I am coming uh, with a sermon tonight that I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to say something. Um, and let, let me just tell you where I'm at. By and large, most of the time, whenever I come up here, this is just me, okay, McGee. I like to come up here. I am a, if, if in the world of preaching, I am a manuscript preacher, which means I am a Whenever I put together a sermon, it is a word for word. I've thought every th- phrase through, okay? And that's just the way that it is. There's other people just like me in the world. There's others that are what you would call extemporaneous preachers that they just kind of go from the hip. And they might have scripture a few things. I've done that, not because I necessarily wanted to, but because that's the way that God has ordained it. Tonight, I don't have necessarily a nice, defined, definitive manuscript up here. So with that being said, I'm very uncomfortable very uncomfortable with where I'm at. But I do know the things that have been going through my heart and mind, and this is something that ties back to the last few days of November of last year. I I opened up my journal, and I scrawled some things down, and I went back there today, and I looked at that, and I considered that, and I felt like maybe the Lord would have this for us, amen, as individuals and as a church here tonight. So I'm telling you tonight that I'm expecting something because God doesn't always do this to me. Amen. And so if it doesn't happen, it's not on me. It's on God and everything else. Amen. Because I'm just following the leading of the Lord. Genesis 45 and verse 25. My intention, and this is never my intention. I don't plan on holding you long. Um, but uh, we'll just see what the Lord has. But here's what, I, here's what I need. I need your help preaching tonight. This is a pulpit. Sometimes we're pulling people from the pit. Sometimes the pit is helping push. So I need, I need your help here this evening with the word of the Lord. Genesis 45 and verse 25. Anybody excited to be here? I told God in prayer today, I've circled this sanctuary several times. I've prayed for these pews. I've circled in this place praying to God. And I told God, I said, God, I know I can't make anything happen in this service. I can't make anything happen. I can't force the anointing in this service. I can't do any of that. But if God could just come down and I could open myself up to what he wants, just maybe there might be a spark uh, that finds a little bit of gasoline. Amen. To cause some type of combustion here this evening. Genesis 45 verse 25. The Bible says this. And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob, their father. This is speaking of the other sons of Jacob. 
that outside of, of Joseph, that is, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw, this is whenever Jacob saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father revived. And Israel said, that's, that's Jacob here, and Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. There's another verse of scripture I wish to pluck from chapter 48 of the book of Genesis, verse number 21. Genesis 48 and verse number 21. So uh, Jacob has made his way to where Joseph is. He says, I'm going to go and see him before I die. But he doesn't just see him, but he has a conversation, no doubt more than one, the last 17 years of Jacob's life was once again entwined with the life of his long-lost son, Joseph. The Bible says in verse 21 of Genesis 48, in Israel, that's Jacob, said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers. With the help of the Holy Ghost, and I pray, God, that you would help me as you help me in prayer today around this place. With the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to minister this tonight. A conversation you must have before you die. A conversation you must have before you die. And, and here's the thing. I'm doing just like the old ones used to say. They say whenever you go to preach, he says, tell the people what you're going to say, then say it, and then tell them what you said. They said that's how you should align a message. Tell them what you're going to say, say it, and then tell them what you said. Well, I'm going to tell you tonight what I'm going to say. The conversation that you must have before you die is this. You need to tell a lost portion of your past before you die that it's time for it to go home. You need to tell a lost portion of your past before you die that it's time for it to go home. Amen? It's a conversation that you must have before you die. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Will you pray for me tonight as you pray? Father, I need you here this evening. I pray, oh God, open up our heart, our mind. God, I pray, oh Lord Jesus, God, to the ebb and the flow of your spirit. Once again, God, I cannot make anything happen in this place. God, I don't have that ability. But God, I do lean heavily upon the arms of God. I lean, Lord Jesus, upon your purpose and your plan that you had ordained, God, for this moment before we ever got here. I pray, oh Lord, today that you're able to minister, God, to people. You're able to minister, Lord Jesus, to this church. I pray, oh God, that a touch of heaven, God, would come down upon us, Lord Jesus, in the course of this service. God, I don't want to fail to thank you. I don't want to fail to give appreciation, Father, unto you, Lord, in this place and in this service, God, for what you will accomplish, perhaps, in the life of this assembly, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Could someone say amen this evening and give the Lord a round of applause tonight? God, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, yes, God. And you may be seated here tonight in the lovely name of the Lord. In the lovely name of the Lord. A conversation you must have before you die. 
It's my desire here this evening to speak to you and let me give some explanation here as we wade into this. But I don't plan on letting a lot of grass grow under my feet here this evening. But it is my desire to speak to you tonight from this story in Scripture and this passage of Scripture in what may be known as, I want to talk to you allegorically this evening, allegorically. If I may define that just so that you have a little bit of direction here, an allegory is a representation of an abstract or spiritual meaning through concrete or material forms. Figurative treatment of one subject under the guise of another. A for instance of this would be whenever the prophet Nathan came to David with the story of a man and his pet lamb he was doing this with representations and overtones of it being an illustration of what David had done unjustly with Bathsheba and Uriah that was an allegory amen speaking allegorically is not necessarily something a common practice of mine when it comes to preaching but I felt as though it served best for us here this evening for that matter it's not even a very common practice in scripture uh, allegories many times can be based upon real facts and they may be real historical stories that a person will use to lift or bring a representation from a little real life story to illustrate a principle or a truth about real life as a matter of fact we see this illustrated in new testament scripture in the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul, he lifts two individuals, real life characters of the Bible, not a story, but real life people, literal people, out of the passages of scripture, two sons of Abraham, one by the name of Ishmael and the other one by the name of Isaac out of scripture. And the Bible says he wanted to use them as an allegory amen how one Ishmael was the child of a bondwoman and he was born after the flesh thus representing everything of the flesh while Isaac was born of the free woman and that he was a representation of the promise and so he explained that those two sons of these women were an allegory they were representing something even beyond what they literally were they were representing two covenants what that means tonight though is that the Old Testament story of Ishmael and Isaac that does not mean that that historical record is untrue it does not mean that it's that historical record is just simply a representation and it's just symbolism but what it does mean is that Paul thought that he could use a real literal Old Testament story for the purpose of raising it to a level to represent something for his modern everyday life the believers at Galatia and so that is my approach to the scripture of Joseph and Jacob here this evening and I understand here's something very hard anytime you have two characters that start with the same letter of the alphabet so let me just go and put a disclaimer out there I'm probably going to somewhere along the way call Joseph Jacob and Jacob Joseph it happens okay and I own it already disclaimers there so if you hear me say it you just say blessing Jesus and we will just go right alone but as it is with allegories none of them are perfect there is no perfect allegory uh, most of them are not they have their 
laws. But it's interesting to consider here this evening. Will somebody walk with me just here a little bit tonight? I think if we can just wade into this, that heaven might just speak to us. When we read the story of Jacob and we read the story of Joseph, if we'll do just a little background upon them, if we can here this evening, we will remember that it is the Joseph that came into the life of Jacob, that Joseph was the first son of Jacob's beloved Rachel, that woman that he loved and he adored, that woman, quite conversely, that he had worked every bit of 14 years of his life for. This is the woman that he loved and he adored. And so it is no surprise then that whenever Joseph is born, that he would love and he would adore that son. For that matter, whenever Rachel gave birth to Joseph, she says that the Lord shall give unto me yet another son or that he will add unto me another son. And she says when he is born that the Lord have taken away my reproach there's something about Joseph when we consider his name he is the add to that's what his name means he's the adder to he is the increaser if you will for the family and the life of Rachel and Jacob his name also means if you will the take away because the Bible says she said the Lord will take away my reproach but the interesting about thing about Joseph is that his taking away is a byproduct of him having added to. If I, if I can speak of it in terms of math, it's almost like taking a positive number and adding it to a negative number. When you add a positive number to a negative number, you are taking away some of the negativity. <laughs> of the overall number. The addition uh, has a positive taking away effect and impact. And so we have Joseph that is born within the life uh, of Jacob and Rachel. And this is the increase of their life. This is the add to of their life. This is the beloved son of the woman that he loved. Not only that, it's, it's this man that we read of that whenever Jacob is in Padanaram and he's away from the promised land and he's living out his days there with his uncle Laban and he, he takes him a wife there and he's afraid of his brother Esau it's his days in Padanaram that come to an end whenever Joseph is born in the family whenever Joseph the adder to the increaser is born to the family Joseph Jacob now see there I did it just real quickly turned his mind toward the fact now that Rachel has born increase into our life from a barren womb now that increase is born into to our life he says it's now for us to get back Laban if we may let us get back to the promised land let, let's get back to home because I have increase here I have addition into my life and so let's go back home 17 years old here is Joseph back home in the promised land with Jacob Jacob up to this point of time has placed favor upon Joseph he favored this addition if you will to his life he favored this increaser if you will to his life he gave him that coat as the Bible describes of many colors he, he, he doted if you will over uh, Joseph this, this was the favored child this was the child that, that brought exactly what he wanted a son of his loved wife into his life he loved him he appreciated him amen he, if you will he, he gave more attention 
in certain degrees and areas, amen, to Joseph than anything else because Joseph added to his life. Joseph increased his life. He pampered him. He may be at times would neglect other things just for the purpose of giving attention to Joseph. But as the story goes that maybe we are too, too familiar with, as the Bible portrays, uh, Joseph, though, uh, was sold into Egypt by his brothers. And the brothers come before their father on a particular day and they have Joseph's coat of many colors and they have bathed it, if you will, in the blood of a goat and they present it before their father. They don't tell their father Joseph's dead. They don't tell their father that Joseph has been murdered. But they basically come in with what seems to be the evidences of something tragic. The bloody coat that happens to be Joseph's, that added to, that addition, if you will, and they present it before their father and their father being so well acquainted with Joseph knowing that that was the, the, the symbol of favor that he had placed upon the son he comes in and he sees that and the Bible says by his own assumption by his own deducing he says that that's Joseph's coat and no doubt he has been rent uh, perhaps a beast or an animal has got a hold of him and he has been rent Joseph no doubt must be dead and everything changes now in the life of Jacob because his increase now, according to him, is dead. The adder unto in his life is dead. The thing that he had favored and coddled and catered to is dead. And so now he's going to spend the rest 22 years of his life under the idea and the assumption that the increaser and the adder to, amen, of his past is not living, but it is dead. That's the reason why whenever we come to the scripture reading that I submitted to you tonight, that there is a dynamic, if you will, revealing of the scripture. The Bible says that we are at a point of time that Jacob has already sent the boys to Egypt on more than one occasion to bring back provision because it's a time of famine. It's a time of lack. It's a time of drought. And I wonder sometimes if Jacob did not even think in his mind, we are probably where we are because I lost the increase of my life. We are where we are because I lost the adder unto unto my life. If he was around, if he wasn't dead, perhaps we would have exactly what we have need of. But now I'm sending my boys out and have to have them come back with provision. We would be a lot further along if that had never never died in our past. But here he is. The boys have been out. The boys have been out to get provision. This is the second time now that they are coming back. They're coming back to daddy and they are coming back with some news that will surprise all of them. And that news is basically this. Joseph is not dead. Joseph is alive. They come to their father that's a little older now, 22 years older than what he was whenever Joseph to his estimation died and he sat him there and his boys come to him from the land of Egypt they come to Jacob and they tell him father Joseph is yet alive they tell him father our addition our increaser your increaser is still yet alive he's governor over the land of Egypt he's a man of prominence he's still yet alive and we are wowed because the response of Jacob is this his heart fainted within him because he did not believe them. He says, I've spent 22 years in my life without 
the additioner. I spent 22 years of my life without increase. I spent 22 years of my life without that thing that I favored and coddled and, and gave a, a man attention to. 20 years of my life has been spent. I, I've lacked some days, if you will. I'm in a place right now of fame and, 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 and it's hardship all around. And you're telling me the adder to, the increaser is alive? I don't believe it because all I have experienced is sorrow since the day that I learned that he was dead. The only thing that I experienced is negativity in my life because I knew that he had been taken away. I seen the proof of his garment. I seen the blood upon it. Surely it's been rent. In other words, for me there was no possibility for addition. For me there was no possibility for increase. For me there was no possibility for surplus. And you're telling me he's alive? Someone say amen. They're describing all these words. They're describing all these words unto Jacob. And as they are telling him that he's alive and he's a little bit reluctant in his spirit to accept the fact that Joseph, the adder to the increaser, is alive. The Bible says as he looks out into the distance, there's something that's starting to crest over the hill. There's something that can be seen just coming over the horizon as far as his eye could see. And the Bible says it was the wagons. And there were, there were he asses and she asses that were laden with goods and laden with surplus and the Bible says as Jacob looked out there and he seen what was cresting over the hill the wagons and the supplies and the surplus the Bible says that his spirit revived inside of him because he saw something that only an adder could sin he saw something that only an increaser could sin and what came to Joseph J Jacob's mind was this I thought I thought the increaser was dead but what I'm understanding right now is that he's just been misplaced somewhere in Egypt he's not been dead he's been alive all these 22 No, 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 no. I think it's important. I might need a hanky out there. I think it's important to preach to us and preach to the church tonight that might have been dealing with a time of thinking the adder too and the increaser in your own life or in your church life is dead. But I come to sound the alarm tonight. He's not dead. He's been alive every moment that you thought he was non-existent. Someone say Amen. How do you know, Brother McGee? Because somewhere in the distance on the horizon are coming the wagons and the surplus. He's not been dead. He wouldn't be able to provide what's coming right now down the dusty road. Had he been dead, he's just been misplaced. Someone say amen. I'm telling you, there's people that stand here right now that could get up here and tell woes of stories from 2018. They could talk about subtractions. They could talk about stuff being taken away. They could talk about things being broken down. They could talk, we could talk maybe about a church. It's not been what it's needed to be. I've dealt with, if you will, with the loss of addition. I've dealt with the issue of the loss of the increase. But I'm here to tell you somebody tonight, he's not dead. He's not dead. He's just misplaced. He's not where he has been. He's not where he needs to be but I'm telling you I'm looking out over the horizon and there's something starting to appear over the hill that is the indication of an addition the indication of an increaser No, no, no. Joseph is not dead. He's alive. And whenever he sees the produce, whenever he sees the goods that's coming over the hill, he knows that has to be because of an increaser, an adder too. He's not dead. He is alive. 
So in that moment, Jacob says, it's enough. Because what's cresting the hill is the proof of a living increaser. It's enough. He says, but I got to go and see him before I die. I got to go and see him before I die. Someone say amen. <laughs> you know what? You know what Jacob is saying, and this is good for any, any prospect of life. There's some conversations you need to have before you die. This past year has proven that to me more than anything. There's just some conversations you need to have. You need to talk about where you're going to be buried and have it already bought. And your loved ones to know what lots they are. If you have life insurance policies, maybe you've had sundry of them throughout the ages. But you need to leave some type of indication which ones are active and are still covering you and which ones are not. You need to have some conversations before you die. Well, you, you need to talk about your service. You need to talk about who's going to preach it, who's going to sing at it. You need to, preach it. You need to talk about where you, where, where you would like to have it in the church or at the funeral home. There's just some things you need to talk about before you die. You need to talk about if you have an estate and you're going to be leaving any money, who is the trustee of that estate. If you have stuff you want to give to certain people, you want to already have it in, in writing and not leave that up to your loved ones to have to parse out because they're going to be a fight. There's just some conversations you need to have before you die. And so Jacob is just saying here in this moment, there's just a conversation that I need to have. There's something I just need to put in place and put in mind right now. Before I die. 22 years. 22 years. Jacob thought Joseph was dead. 22 years. He thought the attitude and the increaser was dead. I know no one's ever dealt with that in your personal life in the past few years. Thinking that God couldn't add to you or increase you. Uh He says, but I got to have a conversation here with him. And the conversation that he has, and I think this is quite interesting to me, that Joseph, the first time that the brothers came, to get provision. And Joseph knew that those were his brothers. But he kept himself somewhat hidden in the shadows. Not totally forthright about who he was. Notice something that he oftentimes asked. He says, how's your father? Huh? How's your father? Are these all the boys? How's daddy doing? Even the second time that they came, he asked. How's your dad? Why? Because Joseph knew dad had been without the adder to the increase for 22 years. How's dad? That's the reason why when they went back the second time and accompanied them was their youngest brother, Benjamin. That whenever Judah and them give their spiel, that, hey, you can't keep Benjamin. Because dad said, if you keep Benjamin... It's going to bring down his gray hairs. That might drive dad to an early grave if you keep Benjamin. And it was at that moment then Joseph just bawls and cries. And he reveals himself to them because he understood what dad was dealing with on the opposite side. Having been without Joseph for 22 years. 
Joseph had just been in Egypt. Joseph had just been squandered and pondered around from a pit to a prison to a palace. He was alive. He just wasn't where he ought to be. And so Jacob coming to the understanding that my son never was dead, but he's just been alive. I got to go have a talk with a portion of my past that I lost somewhere along the way. Someone say amen. Uh, He's going to have a few conversations with him. Number one, number one. Number one, Joseph, I want you to understand this. I understand that you're in Egypt and you've been here for 22 years. But here's something that I want you to know, son, that we just got to have a conversation here before I die. Whenever I die, see, I've come here to talk to you. I've come here to have a conversation with you. He said, but whenever I die, he said, don't you dare bury me in Egypt. You bury me in my promise. He says, I thought you were dead, but in reality, you've been alive all this long, stationed in Egypt, hidden to my eyes, hidden to my activity but nonetheless still alive. Can I tell someone tonight that there is addition and increase that's been happening in your life that you're not even aware of yet? No, 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 no. What are you saying? There's just some wagons that need to crest the hill. Now, this really helps if somebody believes what I'm talking about here this evening. I said, I expected something in this house tonight. Amen. Ah, he says, you've been alive and you've been over here in Egypt. He says, here's, here's what I want you to know. He says, whenever you were a young boy back in the past, he said, you found favor in my eyes. He says, but as I'm coming to the, the, the close, if you will, and the golden years of my life, I want to know if I'll find favor in your eyes. I want to know if I'll find favor in your eyes. He says, because you've been lost for all these years in Egypt. And the conversation, the last conversation, it seems as though that he had with Joseph was this. He was amazed. Here comes Joseph, along with his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. He tells Joseph, Jacob does. He said, I never thought I'd see you again, let alone your offspring. I'm speaking allegorically here tonight. I never thought I'd see increase again. I never thought I'd see a new sunshine on a new day again. I never thought I'd see an addition to my life because I've been in the area of subtraction and division. I never thought I'd see that again. But now I've not only seen it, I've seen the offspring of it. And he says, Here, here's what I want to tell you, boy. He says, I know you have been alive all these years in Egypt. But this is what he says. He says, but the Lord is going to make a way for you to go home. The Lord is going to make a way for you to go on home. Folks, there is a conversation that we need to have before we die. And that is what I told you to begin with tonight. We need to tell those portions of our past that has somehow been lost among all the areas of Egypt, pit, palace, prison, whatever it may be. We need to tell them that it's time to go home. What are you saying tonight? I'm saying this. If increase is going to happen, increase might as well happen in my house. 
house. If increase is going to take place, increase might as well be able to take place under my roof. There's no reason for Egypt to have it. There's no reason for the prison to have it. There's no reason, if you will, for all the pit to have it. Honey, it might as well happen back in Canaan. It might as well happen at the Father's. Somebody needs to speak to the addition and the increase in their life tonight and say, come on back home. Come on back home. It's time for you. There's somebody in the church tonight that needs to stand up as First Apostolic Church and say, increase. It's time for you to come back home. Add to, it's time for you to come back. There's a conversation we need to have before we die. That may be things. That may be people. That may be a variety of things. How are we doing? See, I'm already for longer than what I thought it would be. Uh-huh. This past weekend, whatever. FAC, different location. <laughs> Pastor Nate Whitley there had a time that I was an interviewee for him for his Cut It Straight podcast, which is kind of interesting. Had fun doing it. Never done anything like that before in my life. Had fun doing it on a Saturday morning. So we did that Monday morning, New Year's Eve. So we did that, and we talked, I don't know, for two hours. Podcast is not that long, but he knows how to edit we were talking after we were said and done. He evangelized at one time. I've evangelized. We preach for some of the same people. You know, we got stories to swap and time to laugh. Because we're not evangelizing anymore. So. We don't have to save face about squat. He was telling me about a place that he used to preach. And I think it was either northern Louisiana or northern Mississippi. I never preached for the gentleman or the place. And he said it was a guy that just always, he just kind of knew whenever I was having one of those 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 famine spots in life, you know. A call, oh, you have anywhere to go? No, no. He said, oh, don't just come be here for three weeks and just preach my own service and blah, blah, blah. You know, and he says, so those times that he went and preached, I'm going somewhere. So those times that he went and preached for them, so there was a, there was a, there was a elderly, not real elderly, but elderly lady that always came in the back door. She had in her hand a sack. And in that sack, she had clothes. And she would trudge into service, sit somewhere close to the back pew, Lay down her sack. She'd get out those clothes. Get the pants out. Lay them on the pew beside her. She'd get the shirt out. Lay it out beside her. Put the shoes on the floor. Right there by the pant legs. He said every service. Every service. She'd do that. Every service. He said I went back there and preached her one time. He said that lady wasn't there anymore. Not there anymore. He said but in her spot was a man. He'd come in, he'd sit in that exact same location. Wouldn't really do much of squat anything. And I asked the pastor, I said, man, what is the deal? He said, I've been here several times, and now he comes, and, and he just sits back there, and so on and so forth. He said, what, what's the deal? He said, Brother Whitley, he said, do you remember the woman that used to sit back there? He said, yeah. He said, do you remember that sack that she carried? He said, yeah, with the clothes and stuff in it. He said, yeah. You remember how she used to take all that? He said, that was that man's work clothes. That she brought every service because he didn't come to church with her. And he, she would take his work clothes and put his pants on the pew right beside her. 
put his work shirt that had his name. I don't remember his name. I'll call him Bob. That had that little name tag said Bob right beside him. Put his shoes on the floor. Every service did not miss a beat. She's always carrying in that sack and putting all those clothes right there for her. She died. But after her death, Bob started showing up at church. Now you don't tell me for a moment that the years that that lady did that, she didn't think that Joseph was dead and that increase and add to was dead. But she went trudging along because somehow he wasn't dead. He was just misplaced. And the wagons came over the hill the day she died. And now he sat on a church pew because she had to have a conversation, if you will. That it's time for you to go home. You'll stand with me all across this place. It's, it's. I'm telling you, somebody here, and we can close our eyes, somebody here this evening needs to have a conversation with some lost portion of their past and tell it, it's time for you to go home. It's time for you to go home. I know it seems like you've been absent in my life and you're the thing that I cared for and favored and was the added to and increaser of my life. And I've been void of that for some time right now. But I'm telling you, I've learned your life and it's time for you to go home. We bow our heads all across this place this evening. I'm talking to people in this place, hallelujah, that hasn't had joy in a while. I'm talking to people in this place that the only tunes that you know are drudgery because that's what life seems to have served you. I'm talking to people in this place that have lost hope, that have lost confidence, that have lost a tenacity, that have lost enthusiasm about being in the church. It's time to tell those lost things of your past. It's time for them to go home. It's. You know why? You know why Jacob never went looking for Joseph? Because he thought he was dead. He thought he was dead. What if I told you tonight that something that you used to have vibrant in your life is not dead, it's just misplaced? Would you go on a search? Would you go after it if you knew it wasn't dead, but it's just misplaced? Because I'm telling you tonight, I'm confident in the Holy Ghost. Many of the things that we are presuming to be dead in our life and the life of the church is not dead, it's just misplaced. But somebody needs to have a conversation. It's time for that thing to go back home. It's time for that thing to go back home. Can we raise our hands all across this building here this evening? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you lift up your voice right now with those hands? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Joseph, God's going to do it. God is going to make a way. You need, to, you need to go back home. God, I speak, Lord, truth in this house. God, I speak, Lord, with a, a tenor, Lord, a positivity, Lord Jesus, in this house. Addition is coming back home. Increase is coming back home. Worship is coming back home. Praise is coming back home. Prayer is coming back home. Worship is coming back home. Joy is coming back home. Happy 
holiness is coming back home. Unity is coming back home. I declare it in the air. I speak life and not death. It's coming back home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother and Sister Mason, we begin to get a song together. Can as many as will that will participate. Can we come to these altars tonight? I'm not asking you to kneel. I'm asking you to stand. You can raise your hands right where you are. You might have some things in your own life, lost pieces of your past that you need to tell to go back home tonight. That you need to tell to go back home tonight. Whatever it may be, whatever it may be, if it's peace, if you've been without peace for some years, you need to tell peace. You need to gather yourself together and you need to get back home. Don't be staying in the pit. Don't be staying in the prison. It's time for you to get back to Canaan. It's time for you to go back home. Come on sir ma'am. If you've lost your enthusiasm, you need to tell it to get back to the Father's house. Hallelujah. Oh, let's talk to the Lord. I'm going to stay true to the Lord right now in this moment. I can't make anything happen. But I know if we'll dial into his spirit that God can cause something to happen all of his own accord. God, let us tell some of those lost things, those misplaced things, to head back home. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.